Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the podcast. Beyond the Menu is a show where we'll talk to top industry executives and operators about innovation, growth, and success. We'll have guests from some of your favorite concepts and iconic brands talking about navigating through a pandemic, shifting business models, growing strategic relationships, and much more. We hope you stick around, so make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes, and we'll see you Beyond the Menu. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us and welcome to Beyond the Menu, a podcast by Decision Logic. Decision Logic is a back office restaurant management software that combines the intuitive experience of restaurant operators and the innovation and intelligence of next level developers. My name is Mandy Woolwich and I am your host. And I'm the President and Chief Operating Officer here at Decision Logic. Today we're talking to two local innovators really driving the industry forward. So I'd like to welcome Nick Maestas, owner of Muchachos Food Truck and Restaurant, and Matt Taylor, owner of Tavern on the Square Bar and The Other Room. Thanks guys for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So in this episode, we're chatting with Nick and Matt about all the really creative things that they're doing here in Lincoln, Nebraska market, including ideas around attracting and retaining talent, how they maintained, grew, and innovated for their small businesses throughout the pandemic, and the use of technology to think outside of the box and impact their business. Gentlemen, let's dive in. Um, I'm going to start with you, Nick. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, Muchachos and your entrance into the restaurant business? Sure. So um, we started really the quick and easy story is um, my grandfather was a role model to me. Uh, we lost him about nine years ago and really struggled out of that. Couldn't find a good way to um, to really mourn properly. And it wasn't until I started cooking the food that I grew up eating with him that I really started feeling more myself, more connected with him in, in a healthy way. So, um, yep, started uh, cooking food and testing new things and selling them to friends and then garage sale days and all that fun stuff until we realized, hey, we maybe have something and decided to buy a food truck. And four years later, here we are, decided to open a restaurant in a pandemic as well. And, you know, we're still here. So um, that's the quick and easy side of it. But yeah. Well, I know my family is certainly glad that you're here. The food that you serve is pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, we cannot live without it. So we're really excited that you decided to persevere through that. How about you, Matt? Thank Can you. you tell us a little bit about your entrance into the industry? So uh, I was a finance major in college and I did a financial internship and I hated it. I had to wear a suit and tie every day. And uh, so a friend of mine got me a, a door job at a bar and I really liked it. I got to wear a t-shirt and have fun interactions and left with cash. And uh, I thought maybe instead of a job, this could be a career. And uh, so after I graduated college, uh, I went bar shopping. I went to Chicago and looked at every bar for sale and, um, you know, every real estate agent I met, like kind of rolled their eyes. I was skinny kid with an inside out t-shirt on doing these, <laughs> doing these uh, walkthroughs. But every bar I went to, I wrote down something I liked. Even if it was a terrible bar, I wanted to find two or three things that I liked. And that created a, a big list. And then I kind of made um, a Frankenstein version of it. I just picked all the things I liked and, and it made it my own. Uh, Crescent Moon Coffee Shop came up for sale. And I walked around and, and met with the landlord to make sure that they could, we could put a bar in here. And uh, yeah, built it out ourselves, and that took three and a half months or so, but we changed every surface. And uh, yeah, opened Tavern in 2010, and then we opened the other room in 2013. 
and the other room is uh, kind of a speakeasy style. There's no sign. It only seats 25 people pre-pandemic. <laughs> uh, during pandemic, it was 12. Um, but it's kind of just, it's just cocktails, craft cocktails, and high society is what we like to laugh about. Nice. Nice. So yeah, a lot of folks here in Lincoln don't even know about the other room yet because it's so secretive. Um, kind of the little yeah. hidden gem that we have here in town. So talk to us a little bit about some of the interesting things that you did during the pandemic. I know that I certainly took advantage of the craft cocktails to go. So talk to me a little bit about that and you know how you kind of innovated past that. So I know I personally took advantage of some of the craft cocktails that were available to go from the other room. Talk to me a little bit how you innovated through that. Yeah, COVID was a strange year to navigate. Uh, there wasn't exactly a playbook to work from. Uh, it, we always laugh that bars are recession resistant. Well, they're not pandemic proof. And so for the first two weeks, we just fixed every wobbly bar stool and uh, painted the walls and, you know, kind of kept the team busy, um, creating culture and, and keeping culture going was important. You know, and then after a couple of weeks, we were like, oof, we got to figure out some ways to make some dollars. And so we came up with this idea from mostly from the other room side is these craft cocktail kits um, that you can purchase. And, and then we had, you know, we, we went from, you know, a bar to a retail store. And so we reformatted how everything was set up and we had to find packaging and labeling and and make these batches and, and large quantity stuff and what are the garnishes. And so there was interesting stuff on the front end and you know, we, <laughs> we quickly threw it out the door and one of them, we, we did a marbled rye kit early on that after we crunched numbers, we're like, okay, every one of these we sell, we're losing a dollar. So we, yeah. <laughs> we, we revamped a little bit, um, but we got it down and it really, it's, it's what kept the team busy and dollars flowing into the door throughout. That's great, that's great. Now, Nick, I know pre-pandemic and even through the pandemic, you were really working to try to innovate and shift the idea of Lincoln. So for those of our audience members that don't know, Lincoln, Nebraska um, isn't super food truck friendly yet. And I know that there's a lot of you that are really making a run at it, um, but you've done a lot of things to really innovate through that and try to get Lincoln to be a little bit more mobile friendly. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So we... Um... A couple years ago, when uh, when Tammy Ward came on city council, she and I had a quick conversation about how we can, you know, make Lincoln a little bit more forward with food trucks and got together and we decided, you know, we wanted to have a food truck court or like a, a street where all food trucks can come and reserve space, park. And then, you know, we got together with other food trucks, Hayoyad, Nitro Burger, and then we also got city planning involved and the legal teams and all that good stuff. And came up with an idea of a, um, a food truck pilot program where we'd have four or five different locations for you know the five different days of the week where you can reserve space, park on public streets safely, of course. And um, you know, we would do that over the lunch hour. We would hood the, you know, the meters and make sure everything worked that way. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was a really great opportunity and we were one week out from really, uh, we were going to release this program. We had, you know, a press conference and we had, you know, everything was set and ready to go. And, uh, yep. And then, you know, like Matt was saying, you know, when basketball starts shutting down, you know, things are getting serious. And we decided that wasn't the best time to start doing that. You know, half the buildings were no longer occupied downtown. 
we had no, you know, had we set it up, it would have, it would have been failed from the beginning. And we wanted to make sure that it looked good when we did it. And so everything's still in place. We're kind of getting those conversations going again. But as far as our food truck went, you know, we really, we really changed our, our model. Like what Matt did, we changed from pulling up our truck to a business or, um, you know, parties at people's houses to, um, uh, you know, a, a meal delivery kit. So we would package up family meals and deliver them to your house for free. And, you know, if we didn't have the success we did in that, we probably wouldn't have been able to open the restaurant when we did. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, for those folks that are watching that are local to Lincoln, Nick does some meat plates, um, different things where you can, those are pretty shareable. Um, I know that that's one of our favorite things to get is to grab a couple of the, the options for the meat plates. And then our family of five just sits down and smashes that together. <laughs> so um, definitely one of those things that when you shifted to that, that more to go style, um, that was a really, really awesome opportunity to get everybody to try all the different varieties of things that you guys offer um, and be able to kind of see those and in, in up, in, up close and personal. So as we're trying to talk through this, guys, like I know that innovation is a word that I keep saying, but it's something that I feel like you guys really excelled at. Um, I follow both of you on social media. And one of the things that I was really impressed by was your guys' ability to brand yourselves. Um, and so I want to touch a little bit about that because there are a lot of our groups that, you know, we work with a lot of multi-unit operators that spend a lot of time on social and they've got entire departments, you know, devoted to that. But one of the things that I wanted to hit on is, is that whether you're a franchise operation or whether you're a local mom and pa, like making sure that you have that strong social following. And we're going to touch on a couple of topics about that. So um, first and foremost, Matt, I know that you're really heavily involved in the social setting. Um, you've got a pretty strong following from both your personal perspective as well as your, your brand pages. Um, talk to me a little bit about the care that you take into putting into that social outreach so that you can make sure that you know folks know who you are and where you're at. Yeah, so I, I think of it as three brands. I think there's Tavern on the Square, the other room, and then my personal brand. Mm -hmm. And um, personal brand is so important. Uh, I know we're going to touch on employees soon, but uh, hiring is really difficult right now. And I put out, hey, we're hiring from both Tavern and the other rooms pages, and we didn't get anything. And I put out a, hey, we're hiring, and I got 18 emails in my inbox that day. And so, um, you know, I use my personal brand to talk about business. I, I really, I love small business. I think business done right. Uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. So that's something I talk about on the brands. Um, and then finding your brand voice. What, what is the message? Uh, I mean, you either have to educate or entertain. Uh, and so I, I think of, I mean, there, it, it, there's a lot of thought that goes into these things. And you, I'm a terrible writer. I can barely read and write. <laughs> so uh, it's good that we're doing video because I could do this kind of stuff all right. But um, yeah, it takes time. And, uh, and it is something I encourage my employees to do as well. Uh, your personal brand is something you can take with you no matter where you go. You know, if you leave and go to a different job, your personal brand stays what it is. So, uh, and then it just opens doors for you that would not have been open otherwise. And uh, you, you get some flack. You got to put up with some negative stuff once in a while. Um, mm -hmm. But that's part of it. And, and the net score, there's, there's far more good than there is bad that comes out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that just from my interactions with your page and your brand, um, you're very intentional about that. And so that's one of the things that I think is really key 
as far as like the culture of the business that you're running and Nick, I see it in your brand as well is the, the amount of intention that you guys put through that. Um, Nick, tell me a little bit about muchachos. I know you've got your brand page and then you've got your personal brand. I see that very much intersecting. Um, and I see that you've got a lot of intention in that as well. Talk to me a little bit about how you handle the branding. Sure. So, I mean, we really, I mean, this kind of goes back 10 years to when I got on Twitter and found a local community within Lincoln where, you know, we just built friendships, real relationships with people. And then if it wasn't for like our local meat smoking Twitter group, I don't know that I would be where I am without those guys. And it was just a fun way for me to build, you know, my personal brand that way. And, you know, you just build relationships online and you put out your real stuff, you know, not always the good, happy, smiley stuff, but you also put out the real stuff, the hard stuff, the sad stuff, and people connect with that. And as people see that, as people feel that they're part of your story, that just grows and people talk about it and you get just some, you know, some, you get some growth and you get some just, you know, it's awesome to see a lot of people relate to your story, the more real you are. And, you know, I just decided to, to keep doing it, keep moving forward with that. Um, I would say we probably, you know, when, when I shared an Instagram uh, on my business page, you know, really that's the only thing that our personal or my business brand is really getting is like, Hey, here's our deal of the day. Here's this and whatever. Um, but I think more people are relating to the, to the personal social pages where they can see the growth. They can see the struggle and the success as well. That's awesome. Now, um, one of the things I wanted to touch on is that both of you did a lot of local support during the pandemic. Um, once you got your brick and mortar opening up, Nick, I know a lot of people did um, suspended meals where they would just come in and they would start a tab. And when the tab ran out, somebody else came in and contributed to the tab. Um, talk to me a little bit about like how that went out, how that went about and how you kind of felt about it. It was amazing. I think, you know, we, we definitely weren't the only ones doing that or even the first, you know, we saw, you know, Nick over at Grotta really started that trend, I think. And it was really, really cool to see people hop on board with that. And, you know, people would just drop off a hundo and say, Hey, feed whoever you can feed, do it however you want to do it. And to see the look on someone's face, you know, not necessarily people who could afford it or couldn't afford it, but just the gift and, the good news that they got on a day where it could have been really, really crappy for them. You know, maybe someone lost a job or maybe someone was furloughed or something like that. And to come in thinking they're going to, you know, put some money down for a meal and then realize like, Hey, it's taken care of, man. That's really cool to see people respond that way. And it, it was just really cool to be a part of that. That's awesome. Now, Matt, I saw a lot of uh, charity type things coming out of your brand as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you feel like you guys really did to, to kind of move that needle? Yeah, well, first we, uh, we did, we paired up with a bunch of different small businesses um, to do cocktail kit promotions to a good friend and neighbor is Alicia from Wax Buffalo. Um, and we also paired up with the bloom and of the earth flowers and kind of just small businesses helping small businesses we kind of we get a little bit of their customers they get a little bit of ours and uh the synergy between the two brands is, is was great and then i've I, i've just always done tabitha meals on wheels is is something that's very close to my heart my mother uh used to drag me out of the house as a youngster to do these with her uh 
and and my mother passed when I was 15. And so uh, since then, my dad started being, uh, he did a bunch of Meals on Wheels. He's now retired in Arizona, but it's something that I do every week now. Um, and then as, as a brand, that's one of our, our favorite ones. Uh, Arbor Day is also very close to my heart. Uh, you know, started in Nebraska City. It's a Nebraska uh, thing. And, and they had this, this big, big drive. They wanted to plant a million trees. And they, I mean, they blew that goal out of the water last year. And so um, Arbor Day is someone we also pair with. That's awesome. That's awesome. So one of the things that I'm really sensing from both of you guys is that sense of community that your teams really feel. Um, I know that's a cultural aspect for you, but I also feel like it attracts you guys as employers of choice. So let's talk a little bit about um, labor. And I know that that's uh, one of the things that's one of the biggest and hardest things to tackle in our industry right now um, with so many operators struggling to hire. Um, I know, Matt, you kind of touched a little bit on this before, but I wanted to know what are some of the other ways that you guys are doing to engage and retain your talent? Um, let me know a little bit about each of your unique perspectives. I'm gonna start with you, Matt, since you touched on that a bit before. Um, and let's talk about that for a second and give Nick a second to think about it. You know, the easiest thing is money, right? <laughs> uh, you pay them. Uh, so we do pay a little more than the, the contemporaries, our competitors. Um, but last year, uh, luckily, I mean, we were, we're an established business. We've been around for 10 years. And uh, so I, I let myself go. And uh, that means I was volunteer labor for seven days a week during the pandemic. Um, and in our, in our industry, most of the money is made off of tips. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we're, when we're selling retail, um, there's not a ton of tips in it. So I changed everyone to salary and, uh, that was expensive. And, and luckily we, we kind of had some capital that we could use for that. But the benefit of that is it, we retain most of our labor. Um, we tried to be intentional with, we furloughed some people for two weeks at a time or something like that, or you know, your wife has health insurance. So that's, we can, we can furlough you for a little while. We know you're going to be okay. And then we'll bring you back. Um, but the beauty of it is we're not having to hire a ton of people and retrain. Uh, we just kind of picked up where we left off because we kept everyone. That's and awesome. although that was terrifying and expensive and, and all that last year, uh, it helps us just get a leg up this year. Um, and then as far as, uh, you know, trying to recruit or find people, um, you know, you kind of do that again through branding, uh, through the business brand and personal brand. And because I talk a lot about how, how we treat our employees and what we do, you know, not trying to, to be a braggart about it, but showing that this is, this is how you will be treated. And you, I mean, I always think like the employees are first customers are second, and then the logo is third. Yeah. And as long as you keep it in that order, um, the logo is going to be just fine. Um, and so I, in all the interviews, I always say, tell you what, after we get done with this interview, I want you to go talk to some of our team and, and see what they think about it. You know, that's kind of yeah. a 360 view and that, that usually helps. That's awesome. So that really resonates with, you know, the decision logic brand and our parent company Avature, which is we wanted to establish, um, a brand that we wanted to work for. Right. And so, um, really trying to bring that forward in our community and our culture, um, you know, one of our core values is give a shit and we mean it, you know? And so, uh, yeah, another gas. one, I call it gas. Yeah. Give yeah. A shit. I have the same one. Yeah. Absolutely. And then also <laughs> to be human. 
Um, software, I guess, is a little bit easier to lose that human element, but you know, we are a hospitality software and we really try to make sure that that bleeds through. Um, Nick, let's talk a little bit about your business and how you guys, you know, really elevate that culture to uh, retain staff and or to recruit. Yeah. So we have a really cool selling tool from the beginning and that's a food truck. You know, we have a, it's a pretty blue, um, and people want to work on it and it's, and it's really fun for me. And so we have a lot of people that just ask, you know, Hey, are you hiring? Because they want to work on the truck because there is a bit of, you know, cool swag to it. And I bring nothing to that. So I'm, I don't know any of the cool, you know, what kids are saying anymore, but, um, I sounded old. Yeah, never mind. But, um, you know, really. And, and so it kind of starts with that, but then also now with the restaurant, it, it's a completely different monster. So with the food truck, you really only have two to three people max working in there. So management is super easy with that. With a restaurant, man, I really had to learn. And, and that took a long time to get it right. And, you know, I'm sure I screwed up multiple times along the way, you know, lost a few people had to, you know, change everything, how we were kind of moving early on. But then you get to learn and you get to know like what makes people tick. And we, you know, we do pay above minimum wage um, and we do split tips throughout our entire organization. So, you know, on a really good night, you know, on our taco Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, you know, most people are going home with well over $20 an hour. And, um, you know, it's something I take pride in because I want people to make a living wage. I want them to go home. And, you know, one thing I really stress with our team is, you know, we're making tacos. We're not changing the world. You know, we could be making somebody's day, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're not doing anything too serious. So um, have fun while you're at work, you know, work hard, bust your ass, do what you can do. Um, but, you know, if, if you screw up, learn from it, get better from it and, and don't make that mistake again next time. You know, I think everyone looks at kitchens as, man, we've got the Tony Bourdain's, we've got the David Chang's and we've got, you know, this old school mentality of kitchens and how, you know, chefs yell and, you know, there's kind of a negative connotation, you know, negative connotation with it. But, you know, I think, you know, our culture is changing and, and kids react a different way to that negativity. And we want them to be able to come in and we're spending more time with them than we are our own family sometimes. And so we want to make sure that when they're in my four walls or they're in my food truck, that they want to be there, that they want to grow, have fun. And, you know, we also do um, biannual, just fun nights where we get out um, and just have a good time. And I think that means a lot to our team. You know, this, we won the, uh, the KLI and Munch Madness this year, which was unbelievable, super, super fun. And um, I told the team that if we won this, that I was going to run a party bus. And so we had like Billy's restaurant come in, cater us dinner. And then we went on a party bus just for like four hours and, you know, seeing the team react and see how happy they were to get something like that was super rewarding. And that's the culture I want to build out. And, you know, I've learned, unfortunately, that one person can change a culture, you know, it doesn't take a lot, you know, and you get, you know, so you want to have, you want to make sure that you have the right team involved, that you're hiring the right people, not necessarily because you, you know, you need to fill that spot. But if I have to wait a week to, to get a, the right person, then I'm happy to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of that has really changed. I know you touched a little bit on, you know, our culture is changing, but the industry as a whole is changing as well. Um, I know a lot of the different forums that I follow, we're seeing that um, a lot of restaurant employees exited the space. 
you know, some of them thought that they didn't have uh, an opportunity to be hired elsewhere, and then they found out that they could. Um, and it's really, I, I've seen the word staffing crisis, I think a few too many times here over the last little bit. Um, it sounds like both of you guys are doing a lot as far as that community outreach and trying your best to be the employer of choice. And that's where a lot of times technology can come in. Um, a lot of these folks that are up and coming in the industry are really looking for a lot of technology. Now, I don't know um, kind of how you guys institute digital strategies or technology into your standard practice, but um, talk to me a little bit about how you go about solving problems and using that as a factor in your decision-making. Well, it has changed. Uh, so I think something that came out of this that I think is really cool is QR codes for menus. Um, and so th that's something we're starting to do now uh, is, you know, you take your phone out and you can get the whole other room menu. And while you're waiting, instead of inside debating and pondering and trying to read through it all, you have your decision made before you get in. And especially with the other room small capacity, um, one of the things we stress is we want them either purchasing or consuming. Uh, the deciding is what slows us down because we want to turn tables faster. And, and so if we can shorten that time where they're deciding, um, where they're outside and they can get a QR code and see the menu before they get in, um, that, that has uh, you know, a lot of upside for us to be able to turn faster instead of them coming in and waiting, we shorten that four, five, six minutes or whatever it is where they have to, they, and everybody wants to read the whole menu. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they can do that while they're in line. Uh, so that's been, that's been very helpful. Um, and then I'm, I'm ashamed to say we're pretty bad at tech. Uh, we still have a plug and play register at Tavern on the Square. It's, and uh, at other room, we have a cash box next week. We're, we're putting in a Clover Flex, so we'll accept credit cards. But maybe by the time this airs, there'll be a Clover Flex running around at, at the other room. Sure, sure. How about you, Nick? Are you guys elevating technology? Yeah, so we um, we use Square for pretty much everything that we do, and it's been such a blessing for us. Um, it does my payroll. It does my, you know, it submits my taxes, my unemployment stuff whenever we have a new hire or, you know, someone leaves us. Um, it files all of that for us, which is really, really great. Um, it does our scheduling, and then it also does our online ordering. It does, um, you know, our POS up front, you know, so... And that's the same across our food truck, our restaurant, everything. So really, really awesome there. And then um, my web designer was able to um, integrate that into our website. And so our full menu is available online. Um, and like Matt, I think we're, we're going to start moving towards a QR code. So that way they don't have to go to our site. They just hit that and then boom, they, they can take a peek at our menu. Um, but then we also use, um, you know, instead of printing out tickets for the kitchen, we use uh, kitchen display systems through Square as well. So we have a few iPads in the back that tells my kitchen, um, this is what, you know, table one ordered. Um, this is what online order will be available at 455. Um, and it's on different iPads. So they know this iPad is for online, this iPad is for in-house and to go. And it has really kind of changed the way we operate on a day-to-day -day basis. That's awesome. So. Also reducing touch points, guys, which has been one of the biggest things that we've needed to do here through this COVID. 
um, is reduce touch points of where we're where we're handling different things. So your team's not handling menus that customers are handling and then going and making food or making drinks. Um, you're really elevating that technology to give the customer a, a, a faster transaction, but also um, making it so that people are doing the age-old restaurant adage, right? We're touching it once instead of touching it a bunch of times, um, which we all wanted to do in the F&B industry. So um, really sounds like there's some, some great things ahead for all of you guys as you're continuing to elevate that technology. Um, do you, do either of you want to talk about partners? I know that we've talked a little bit about, um, working with small businesses, helping small business, but you also rely on a different set of providers that are going to partner with you to try to help you through these things. Um, I'm not sure exactly who you guys work with as far as those things are concerned, but you know, having a really great partner during some of these things. So some people call them vendors here at Decision Logic. We prefer the word partner um, if they are true partners for you. And there's been a lot of really great success stories that we've heard throughout overcoming this pandemic of, you know, the people that support your business from your distributors to your tech providers to your um, landlords, you know, different things like that. Um, how did you feel about partnerships as you were going through this? Did you feel supported? And what were some of the great stories that you have about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, for a few, I mean, again, it goes that back to building relationships, right? So it's not just them dropping things off or fixing stuff for you. It's, you know, you build that relationship. So, you know, you'll be well taken care of. Um, if I can give a shout out to Aloe, like they're amazing because they come in, um, if our internet goes down, or if we have any type of issues at all, like I, I just give them a quick call. They're literally there within like 10 minutes. And in turn, their team comes over for lunch all the time. So, you know, that's a, an added benefit to it. Um, but again, I think, you know, with your vendors, with your partners, um, relationships matter there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, did you have anything to add on that? I would echo Aloe's great. We, uh, we used to have Time Warner and now Spectrum. I mean, I will throw a parade when they go out of business because I have such a deep hatred for Time Warner. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but they were, they were awful. And the difference between having a good partner and a bad partner is, is so immense. Um, our landlord's been all right throughout this, uh, but vendors have been great um, with all the weird and choppy things going on in their lives and uh, what they're experiencing too. Obviously their business suffered. Um, they are starting to move towards uh, more automated versions. We still have reps that come in on a weekly basis, but they are starting to be able to allow us to, to order online, um, which is helpful. Um, you know, and then, and then of course there's, there's tons of people that support uh, throughout besides just vendors, uh, the people that fix the ice machines and, and cool concepts is one is is my favorite. I'm really good friends with them, and 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 there's so many people that make this thing run, uh, and it's fun to see. You know, COVID was tough, but to see that everyone kind of bonded together, it's it's us against this massive problem. Um, yes. that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but as far as decision logic was concerned we really relied heavily on the groups that we work with. Um, we got to work from a customer service perspective. We reached out to different teams and we're like, what is working in your neck of the woods? What are you guys doing? How are you staying open? How are you continuing to serve your community? Um, one of the things that I love about this restaurant business and uh, the food and beverage, hospitality, restaurants, however you wanna discuss it is, is that we all believe that food brings us together. 
and, you know, being able to be around your friends and your family celebrating morning, um, just connecting happens over the food that you serve Nick and over the drinks that you serve Matt and, and people that really brings everybody together. So, um, I couldn't agree more, like making sure that businesses were helping businesses, partners were helping partners, just really to continue to, to hold each other up, um, through this thing was something that I found really impressive. Um, last question that I have for you guys is, do you have a hero story from one of your teammates? Um, somebody that you guys work with on a day to day, do you have a hero story of somebody that really went above and beyond and, you know, kind of blew you away? You can have more than one if you have one. I have an easy one. I don't know if you've seen Katie running around. I mean, she played so many roles last year. My therapist at times, she, I mean, <laughs> just a sense of calm for the team overall. Uh, she was unbelievable. Um, and, and her life's getting blown up too. And, and having her here as just a support and a rock. I mean, she's been with me for nine years and uh, I could not imagine having a better partner or support um, than, than Katie Titman. Awesome. She's kind of famous in town for being a really kick-ass bartender. So she's a monster. She is. She's so great. So tell her we said hi. Nick, do you have a hero story that you want to share with us? Well, it's not so much a hero story, but just maybe one of growth. Um, you know, we hired a bunch of people that we didn't really know early on, right? And people that did we didn't have existing relationships with. And there's one in particular that really stands out. His name is Kale. And the amount of growth that he's shown in less than a year and turning to someone who, you know, it, you know, had a lot of learning to do early on to now just is killing it on a day-to-day -day basis. It, you know, you just see pride in that, in, in that growth. And then honestly, I mean, I, again, I don't want to brag too hard. Yeah, I do. I, I feel like I have one of the best teams in Lincoln. I think honestly, um, you know, from, you know, bottom to top, I think everyone plays a great part. And I know that's a political answer, but I really, really enjoy my team and, and what they do for me on a day-to-day -day basis um, from, you know, if I need someone to hop on a truck and work an event because someone called in sick or, you know, there's vacation, we need to do something. Everyone is so willing to step up and man, just something I'm really proud of. That's so awesome. Well, I really appreciate both of you guys joining us today. Um, love to hear about the heroes in our local community here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, we'll hope to make sure that you guys get some exposure out of this. If anybody's listening and you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, definitely check out Muchachos um, for the best smoked meats and Mexican fusion. And also check out the Tavern on the Square and the other room for probably some of the best craft cocktails and bartending that you can see inside of Lincoln, Nebraska. So thank you so much for joining us for Beyond the Menu. Um, we are trying to make sure that we're bringing together innovation, talking about the food and beverage, hospitality industry and, and, and technology all wrapped up into one. Um, we're really focused this year on partnership, on innovation, on making sure that we're trying to help take this industry back to the level that it was and probably beyond here after the pandemic. So thanks everybody, and we'll see you next time. Beyond the Menu is presented by Decision Logic, enterprise management software built by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. Are you ready to gain control of your back office? Check us out at decisionlogic.co. That's D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N-L-O-G-I-C dot C-O.